0: Hello and welcome to Wonderful. I'm David Pearl, the founder of Street Wisdom, and this is a podcast we've designed for anyone who wants to get some inspiration on the go. Today, a lot of us are listening to podcasts while we walk. Wonderful is a podcast designed specifically for that, a podcast to walk to, something to put a bit of wonder in your wonder. You're welcome to listen to this as you wander around your home or lying on the sofa even. You'll find inspiration is actually everywhere. But if you've got a bit of time and let's face it, we've all got a bit of time, let's boot up and head out into the street. Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you happen to be in the world. Good, good, good day to you. May may you be having a wonderful day, lovers of the wonder. Wanderellas, wonderfellas, welcome to Wonderful, the podcast designed for people just like you that want to get inspiration on the go. Not sitting down in a room with the shades drawn, but out and about, wandering and listening and getting insight. Hello, it's David Pearl here, Um, and attached to me by umbilical cord via smartphone is Andrew Payne, our producer. So hello, Andrew. Hello, David, how are you? That's enough, that's enough, that's enough. Not as good as a feast, Andrew, get back in your box. Um, I'm, I'm excited because I'm just about to set off on a wander, a month-long wander around Europe and the world, really, mostly by train. Inspired by my cop experiences, I find myself drawn to eco-hotels as much as possible and, um, and train, although at one point I'm also uh, hiring a camper van, which is something my friends and family find highly amusing. Um, a thing I love, though, about wandering and is at the heart of Street Wisdom, is the heart of this podcast, and I hope at the heart of my little Camino de Europa, which is coming up, is the strangers I'll meet and the way leading one, meeting one person leads to meeting somebody else. And I mention that because our guest in this, the final episode of the uh, sustainable season of, um, of, of Wonderful, is Joanna Gibbons, the landscape architect and soil lover of the soil. I'll come to her in a second, but I met her in a way on the side of Mont Ventoux. Any cyclists out there will know that Mont Ventoux is a very pointy, scary, upy downy kind of mountain in Provence, which I cycled uh, with great difficulty, but no little sense of achievement in, uh, back in September. And a key person there, a person that kept me safe, kept me sane, kept me on two wheels, this guy called Anton Blackie, who is a, is a bit of a genius cyclist. But what's amazing about Anton is that he will detour, I don't know, 50 miles because there's some interesting plants on the side of one mountain or other, which is f- infuriating for those of us <laughs> who are struggling to keep up, but also an indication of his other main passion, which is horticulture. He's a horticulturalist on two wheels. So Anton Blackie, if you are out there, I salute you. And thank you so much for mentioning an inspiration of yours and now of ours, Joanna Gibbons. Joanna, as I say, is a landscape architect and her great passion is soil. Yes, soil. Um, When you hear her, and you will shortly, the passion she's got for this overlooked jewel of our planet is enormous. And there's also, you'll hear, frustration because the overlooking of it is she feels um, part of one of the risks of climate change. Because we don't understand the role this unsung hero plays in, in, in life on the planet, we risk endangering the planet. I mean, she really made me think. Think about the word soil for a second, the word soiled. Think about how, when we were kids, the number of words which were to do with the earth, earthiness, were kind of subtly uh, given a, a negative spin, like dirt. Dirt, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Andrew at the moment. What, when I say the word dirt, do you go, ooh, that's lovely. No, we were told dirt is dirty, right? Well, not when you talk to people like uh, Joanna. How many microbes do you think are there in a handful of soil? well listen on and you'll find out how deep is topsoil as she puts it she puts it you know she saw a sign i think she mentions this. she saw a sign up when she was on her travels in america she said despite our best and the sign said despite our best endeavors life on earth depends on the fact that we have topsoil and it rains that's it so i went into this conversation with joanna thinking soil was just soil mucky stuff And I came out, well, I'm not telling you how I came out. I want you to listen and feel how you came, you come out. Take a listen to this lady and see if it doesn't change forever your perception of that mucky stuff that we walk, walk around on. Ladies and gentlemen, drum rolls, please. Throw handfuls of joyously rich earth into the air and welcome Joanna Gibbons.
1: I mean, I'm from a complete design family. They're all architects or artists. Um, but I just liked being out. And um, so really the profession wasn't that developed back in the, in the 70s. But my father was working with a rather amazing woman called Dame Sylvia Crowe, who actually was a preeminent. Landscape architect and a fabulous woman, and, a, and so he um, rather embarrassingly set me up with a with um, with her for a weekend um, at, at his client's house, and we just talked. we talked and walked, and she suddenly everything fell into place. And I I, I admired her as a professional woman anyway, where there weren't that many role models. Mm. At the time, and then and then she just said, "You have to go to Scotland. You have mm-hmm. to go, and you have to, um, if you're interested, and and study under David Skinner." So that's so. It's landscape, and it's really landscape connects my family. You know, we have various projects which are very much to do with all of us. I'm from a big family. We do things outside in a sort of weird, organic way. But it's also my work, and it's also all my passions, which are soil biodiversity, urban forestry, um, and rainwater management. And it's just like it's the connection with the natural cycles. It's the connection with everything that's important in that sense that that feeds the soul and kind of gives you a joy of life, you know. Mm -hmm. Um so it's it's kind of one of those wonderful things where I'm privileged enough to live work and eat the landscape whether I'm in a city or not to me the city is a landscape right it's not it's not a bunch of buildings i see the geology that lies between beneath all of that that came first that's why the romans went for the north bank not the north, south bank in london because of the geology they weren't. They weren't looking at views from buildings. So, it's it is fundamental. So I'm I'm very happy to have landed right where I've wanted to be
0: <laughs>
1: all my life. But let me
0: just ask you first, if I may, about the soil. You know, I, I you and I chatted, and I was I was um, talking to Anton, and he talked about you know how dirt is sort of sexy. Dirt is. But uh, that came out wrong. But you know, dirt is <laughs> dirt is life in, in a way. And the word dirt, you know, the word soil, soiled, we've has uh, got this loaded uh, meaning of being dirty, of being, uh, you know, anti civilized mm. and so on. But it's quite the opposite. Tell me, tell me about that. Tell t- what's the, what's the, t- the untold story of the soil.
1: Hmm. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I think language, as you know from your field, is so powerful, and the English language is an, a, a marvelous thing. But it also can discredit and um, denigrate, and and I think that becomes then a real barrier. So if you talk about soil as dirt, or you know contractor with a sort of jolly tone says let's do the muck away and you go i'm sorry muck away it's not muck away this is one of the most important critical infrastructures of the planet and we're talking about muck away so it comes from ignorance it comes from a misunderstanding or really no one ever pointed it out in the first place you know it's not people aren't doing it on purpose If only we had ecology as a core curriculum subject at schools from the age of five, five, we'd all be fine. I'm no doubt about that. But there is a disconnect with nature and the most fundamental aspect of life on Earth, terrestrial life, is soil. But it is, it is so silently doing what it's doing. It's so quiet. It's so undemanding, in a sense, that, that, um, that the understanding of its total biodiversity, and I'm sure you know, you know, a handful of soil has more microbes than there are people on this earth. If you pick it up and if you smell it, you don't need to send it to a lab to know whether it's healthy. Because, like, degraded soil is no good. Soils were not designed by God to be farmed, to be worked. Soils were designed to hold life. Mm -hmm. And in that, we need to then, if we work the soil for farming for whatever, we need to manage it. So that thing of caretaking, of management, of soil management is something that is so poetic, so fundamental, so beautiful. And as I say, you know, if you hold up um, soil in your hand and you smell it, you can smell josamine, you can smell compounds which are alive and dying. I mean, it's it's the whole cycle of life going on in your hand. And we are tuned. Our noses aren't as good as dogs or anything like that, but we can f- pick up five parts per million of josamine. You know, it's almost like that's a fundamental part of our evolution and uh, to do with survival. So I think um, similarly, if you pick up uh, compacted soil or an anaerobic soil, you can equally smell the ammonium and you go, "Ooh." That smells awful. It's not nice in the hand. It's not, it's not holding water. So I think there's a lot of things that are actually to do with a, an extinction of experience that has happened from childhood now, probably over, what, several generations, where kids do not muck about in the dirt like Anton did on his bike or whatever, um, or climb trees like I did and fall off into a muddy puddle, whatever it was, there is that 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 experience isn't there for all children. And so that sense of the joy of that is not inherently there. Sorry to interrupt, but it feels like you, you've made me
0: realise, actually, the word muck about, yeah. which is kind of bloody pejorative, like you're wasting time, like you're playing. Has yeah. got the word muck in it. Yeah. And so when you, when you, when you, what, do, what, what are some of the short ways that you can switch that you find yourself switching people on to the mm-hmm. power, uh, to the beauty of soil, which you're doing with me right now. I mean, mm-hmm. when you say the soil is there to hold life, never mm-hmm. heard that, mm-hmm. and I won't forget it. What sort of things do you say in? in to, 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 for example, make the penny drop with these young people who haven't really thought about it?
1: Well, it's not just young people, David, right? It's everyone, and there is, a, you know, it's, it's, um, it's quite simple, actually. You get out into the field. Well, you can do two things. You get out into the field, and then we do like digging holes, because when you dig a hole, you reveal all sorts of secret horizons which are, kind of layer cake of human endeavour, of natural mm. cycles. It depends whether it's urban, brownfield, greenfield, whatever. And therein lies the story. Um, and, you know, the whole um, rewilding sort of energy that's going on at the moment is to do with allowing soils to repair themselves through don't touch them, don't touch them. And the natural, the magic there's several aspects of magic with soil, but one aspect is that it will gradually repair itself. And, and if you go to NEP Safari Park, you can see that. And we, we dug, we dug um, pits in NEP with my soil scientist, and I made him guess the last time that that was farmed for intensive agriculture. And it was 10 years prior to us digging that trench. Mm. And there was signs of the soil restructuring after 100 years, or not 100 years, maybe 60 years of intensive farming. So mm-hmm. that's the good news, that nature is resilient, if it, w- if we would let it be. Mm-hmm. And the other aspect is, you know, in terms of getting people, opening people's eyes, is composting, because it is like black gold. You take your waste, as long as it's good quality waste, you know, it's, it's just kind of vegetable um, You know, leftovers and stuff, you put it into a hot rotter or something like that, and then it comes back in its soil, and it is quite a magical thing. And I do believe that when people, when we have young people and we, you know, we get them to put their hands in the soil in the beginning, they're very, very nervous. And then after a while, it becomes, you know, joyful. And then the thought that you might actually be able to grow something and that that. You can watch that grow, and that that might produce something, and that might sustain, uh, you know, that notion of sustaining yourselves is is really fantastic to see. And we've done we've done that kind of work with young people, very cool young people in the city, very diverse communities, and it never fails to capture the imagination because it's like this secret. It's a very good secret. I'm, I'm, it's amazing to me several things, but one is this idea
0: of how profoundly and quickly we've lost, we've we've forgotten something. We must have known for eons. Yeah. Mm. We've, we've forgotten it in the in, in our modern era, and now people are rediscovering it. Seeing the world as it is. Do you ever suffer as I do from bouts of? Uh, despair might be too strong a word, but not far off. But it's quite depressing to see us squandering this extraordinary, uh, you know, treasure. Um, Did you ever feel really low? And what what story do you tell yourself to to get out of the hole?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I do. I'm I'm basically, uh, I think probably like you, an optimistic person. I do believe in the human spirit. I think it is extraordinary. I do believe in the individual and the community effort and the power of grassroots. We will enable uh, grassroots to express themselves as, as forcefully as possible because the politicians love that. They love being popular. They love things getting permission. That only happens if the people are on board. I do think that when... You think of, you know, London, 8.6 million people. Eight, put The potential, if Thames Water wanted to put in the post a, a unit, which I actually have in my own yard, but I didn't get it from Thames Water, to disconnect your downpipe and put a container on the bottom so that you collect rainwater rather than it going in the sewers, we wouldn't have raw sewage outfall because that issue is simply because of rainwater going into a combined sewer so how simple is that don't put the rainwater into the sewer put it into your garden and if 8.6 million people did that or there thereabouts, that would have a huge impact and i do think that this you know the city is a wonderful organism for collective action, if we wanted to. We're close together, then with the ability of communicating very swiftly, there can be, I do believe, that, that there can be action and um, an and impact. And, and we have, you know, a, a lot of young people coming for work experience with us. And there was a, a wonderful young woman from Tottenham Academy who came she saw me at the careers advice um, at, at her school, and then she and then I said, "Well, would you like some work experience?" So she came and did a week with us, and I gave her something which sounds really dull, which yes. is the um, Transport for London Sustainable Urban Drainage Design Guide, which we read. <laughs> it's basically telling all those engineers to stop putting water in a pipe and daylight it so we can all enjoy it and so it can express itself and biodiversity. And I gave this, and I said, I'd like to know what you think of this because part of it is writing in a way that's accessible. And she came back, she said, why don't we all know about this? (laughs) So I do think understanding natural processes It's just such a simple thing. It's such a simple story. It feels so natural because it is natural. And then you can both see where we've messed up and where we need to repair, but also have some kind of sense of a vision for the future. Because, right, we're in the Anthropocene. We are humanity affecting the Earth at a level which is equivalent to any other geological period at a faster rate. So we need to get over that thing that there's a bit of wilderness out there and there's a bit of something over there. We are one planet, and if there's any one image that I remember seeing when I was eight, which took my breath away, it was Earthrise. That spearheaded the environmental movement at that time. But it was the first time man had seen the that whole entity. That's the beginning and the end of Earth. And I do think that to try and help people understand connectivities across oceans, across communities, um, it, that is a very powerful thing to do. And the internet can help. The good thing about the internet, you can have an urban farm in Wellington in New Zealand connecting with an urban farm in Seattle, um, the USA, exchanging ideas and thoughts about how best to compost. Now, that is sweet. Things like water
0: expressing itself, I had never thought of that. You know, why, why does it go down a pipe into the sewer?
1: Let it out, let it be seen exposed mm. to sunlight. You know, it's like, mm. God,
0: why not?
1: Well, there's this lovely saying that I caught on the back of a door in some weird place in America, which said, despite all our best endeavours we rely on six inches of soil and the fact that it rains. Yeah. So that takes you back to sort of pre-industrial revolution, yeah, which yeah. we're now clearing up the last 150 years. Yeah. And there's some poor people who are being impacted disproportionately as a result of, of our invention of steam and the like. And... Um, You know, we all have to take responsibility collectively and it's Mm -hmm. a collective endeavour. It needs to be apolitical. It needs to ride over the top of any political cycles and there needs to be a strong community, which I believe there is. It's been demonstrated in the pandemic with the vaccine. Mm -hmm. There can be superhuman connections of great expertise, regardless of what's happening with silly... Um, political micro agendas which frankly I'm not interested in other Mm -hmm. than it gets in the way of Mm -hmm. everyone doing what they need to be doing Mm
0: -hmm. so I
1: think um you know I think there is um I don't know how old your son is my my son's are, are 30 and 32 Um, One of them is spearheading in the cycle industry. The other one is spearheading in structural engineers and sustainability. And that gives me great joy because they have, they are both on a mission and not just them, all their mates, you know. And I do think that if people of our age don't create glass ceilings, we yank these young people up. Forget how old they are, just bring them up through the ranks, yeah. um, then then it could be very exciting. Um, uh, so I, I think, um, you know, it's just like there's no, like you said, there's absolutely no place for apathy. We've all got to stay fit and just, um, you know, try and uh, depave our lives, make it as spongy as possible and protect the soil and plant trees
0: that that's you we've now got jana's four steps i think that's now <laughs> um i and i think she's add number five is dig a hole stick and then stick a, stick a yeah. tree in it i love yeah. that idea of digging a hole yeah you know when people say when you're and you you know when you've dug a hole for yourself stop digging i think keep digging, by the sound keep digging
1: the but take a look at what's there because it's amazing what's in there do you remember that project um in the on the Thames that Mark Dion did a while ago for the tape. And mm-hmm. he just collected funny bits of plastic and then put them in beautiful displays mm. as a kind of reflection of how beautiful crap can look. And mm. um you know it's to do with how you frame it up and how you just bring everyone along. And I've never failed with any group of young people that we've we've walked with in the field, it's taken them a nanosecond to get on board. That's the optimistic thing. Yeah. They're not going to go. Oh, I don't understand. Yeah. They go. Why didn't I know this before? Yeah, beautiful.
0: So beautiful. very finally, on my way from the bike shed to my house, what <laughs> else can I g- g- give me? What can I do to the soil? Can I sing to the soil? What do I do to the soil? To, yeah, I mean, number
1: I'm, one, what coming? are you walking on?
0: Oh, I'm. I, Oh, well, I'm,
1: we have do have some paving, right? Stuff. That needs to be that I'm needs gonna... to be porous. So, depave right. your life. So, dig up any concrete. My front yard is paved from my front gate to the front door with grit jointed paving. This is what the Romans did, right? This is not new technology. And you grit joint your paving, and you put it on grit. And it allows the water to seep through and replenish the groundwater rather than um, fall away and and into the sewer. So I I really do think digging up gardens and keeping soil open, keeping soil open, the, the trend for a lot of development over gardens or paving over gardens is the most terrible thing. I mean, we're losing per annum the size of, I think, Hyde Park in terms of sponginess and ecology uh, just because front gardens are being paved over. So and that's just the front garden. So I think it's 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 feel that feel that sponge, that resilience beneath your feet. You know it. When you walk through a forest, you know that feeling. It's leaf litter and it's kind of really beautiful topsoil. Um, it feels good. It feels good. Thank you, Joanna.
0: Thank you for that. Thank you for the work you do. Thank you for your ongoing, ongoing passion. Thank you for representing the marginalised soil of this planet. We just don't think about it. It's just, I mean, even, you know, even now it's so easy to go looking around me where I am to look at trees and hedges and stuff and to kind of just think of the Earth as a dull background. But no, without it, nothing. And the more springy, and rich and and resilient the soil can be, the better our planet, the the less flooding, the more resilient planting. We need to think about the soil. So here, inspired by you, Jana, um, well, listen, there's an exercise that I'm not gonna suggest we do right now, but I suggest we all do today, which is go somewhere, dig your hands, those hands of yours that you were told to keep clean by your teachers, Dig them into the soil. Get a handful of soil. Make friends with the soil. Rethink what the word dirty or mucky means. Give it a good smell. Remember there's a billion, billion microbes in that. This is life on earth. Maybe walk around with some soil in a pocket, but just let's reacquaint ourselves with the soil. But that isn't the exercise that I... And, and honour it. Man, we're unconscious. Um, I am anyway, but I wanted to suggest another little exercise, and Andrew said I could, so I'm going to, um, and it is this, and if it's linked to what we were saying about how the names of things very much dictate our attitude to them, so if you think it's just muck, well obviously you're not going to value it very much, so the names we give to things, and those of you who've been listening to past episodes know that you know, actually looking around and thinking about names can really change the way you interact with the environment. So I wanted to suggest something else which is actually inspired by another stranger, again someone I met in a strange place, who's a guy called Tim Stoner, also a, an architect by training. One of the people runs a company, a brilliant company called Space Syntax. Um, and he, uh, we were in the middle of the desert and there was owned, there was just rocks not so for Tim. He would draw them and then name them, like the admiral's seat or the king's apple or whatever. So I'm going to suggest, and when you do that, suddenly these rocks become full of story, full of meaning. They're animate. They're they're they they have character that we that we give them, and maybe that's our limitation as humans. We have to give give objects sort of human characteristics in order to relate to them. But it's an interesting exercise, and I. Um, I suggest we do it for the next 10 minutes because this is wonderful the podcast where we actually have experiences together so this exercise is called and the bird agrees um, it's called someone's something someone's something here's what I love us to do is go for a wander and that means let your feet be more intelligent than your head follow your gut follow your knee follow your hip let your body carve the way through the world not your brain oh gosh this robin has come, I'm assuming it's a robin, It's so close, that's beautiful, hey dude! Bird lovers will probably be able to tell me that's an eagle or something, not a robin, but there we are, he's getting, he's joining in. So I want to wander for ten minutes, and as we wander, let your eyes light gently on objects, and, and, and give them a, a, a name and a name, that's to say, oh, that's, uh, I might say, that's Lizzie's, gift that's andrew's apple that's the prince's sandwich or whatever it is yeah just allow a person to come to mind in a thing just see how that changes uh the environment if it does have fun with that and i'll see you in 10 minutes so off we go we wander let our feet more intelligent than in our heads. The Robin's Gift. welcome back so welcome back wanderellas Wonderfellas, and the robin is back as well which is i'm delighted about how was that do let us know drop us a line we'd love to hear it when you share your little experiences or big experiences for me it's funny it's so funny i mean it's like a switch as soon as we try these things i suddenly find things change a lot so for me I was walking and with within seconds I looked down and there was a twig on the ground and the word Triton's hair came up. I don't know what it means and I don't know who Triton is. And that was the point. I was suddenly curious about this twig. And it reminded me of the child that we were. <laughs> who we used to be able to do that all the time. You know, you'd be in the playground and suddenly a stone was a spaceship or an apple or whatever, whatever the heck. We've got this. It seems like, well, it seems like lying just beneath the surface of our sort of everyday consciousness skin is this, is this wealth of possibilities of stories. I then moved over to what, in grown-up eyes, looks like a, a sawed-down set of stumps, small stumps of trees. And it was at Bryony's throne. Who's Bryony? Again, what's the throne? But I sat there and I suddenly sensed agency. I sort of imagined people having cut this down for a Bryony, whoever Bryony was. Why Bryony, I don't know. But there was a medieval kind of feel to it. And all that, all that from just one filter. That's all these exercises, these experiences are. They're a filter, a way of filtering the normal so we can find the wonder in the everyday. Every day as it says on the front of my book, Andrew's holding up a copy of my book, which is very, I don't know, very commercial of him, the merch. Anyway, continue that if you'd like, giving names and characteristics to to, uh, features of the world that you might otherwise overlook. and Don't let other people give you those names always. You people talk about the metaverse. It's the big thing at the moment And we're talking about the metaverse. And I just, I'm always at the tip of my tongue. I just want to say we have a metaverse already in, in our minds. Our mind is a metaverse. We're able to attach extraordinary stories to ordinary objects to enhance reality with no, with, without needing a battery-powered device. So there's a thought to ponder. Um, it's been lovely spending time with you. And as ever, I wish you a wonderful day, week, month, year, life. Um, I am heading off, as I said, uh, for a bit of a wander round Europe. Wish me luck. Um, <laughs> all the best bits will come after all the worst bits, of course. Um, and who knows, I don't know, we might even do a little bit of podcasting from the road, but it'll really depend whether I remember to take the battery along or not. Till then, till we next meet for season four, have a wonderful time. Bye. Bye, Robin. That's the Robin saying bye.
1: bye. Bye. You can find out more about these mindful walking techniques at streetwisdom.org, a global non-profit founded by David Pearl. Street Wisdom is an everyday creative practice you use as you walk to help you unblock your mind to find clarity and inspiration. Why not follow us at streetwisdom underscore for free guided in-person and online workshops? You got it, walking workshops. You can also download our audio guides on Spotify, just search for Street Wisdom. Happy wandering.